And another reminder that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It gives you everything you need in one place, and it's free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools, so you can record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. And they'll distribute your podcast for free. So you can hear it on Spotify, Apple, Google, and many more. Just like us here at BraveMaker. Make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So download the Anchor app today and go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Stories, scripts, and conversations with creators. This is the Brave Maker Podcast. Ah, Brave Stories Change the World. I miss those days when we could meet publicly. Hello, everybody. Tony Gaffestone here. I get to be the executive director of Brave Maker. And this was the week that we were supposed to have our film festival, our live film festival. But we're doing everything online, and that's okay. Uh, it's, it's been a, a journey these past uh, seven or eight weeks trying to figure out how everything was going to work. And I'm really glad for all the people who have joined us, who have said yes, all the sponsors. And before we get going with our conversation today, I need to say thank you to our sponsors, especially uh, the most recent grant that we got from Nikon. Uh, Thank you to Nikon for saying you believe in the power of arts to change lives. And the, the financial resources that we are getting to make this happen is super important because of not being able to have our film festival this year. We had some sponsors that said they didn't really know what to do and how to partner with what we were doing digitally because we weren't going to have our theater venues happening this week. But there's others who have said yes. And so I need to continue to say thank you to people like uh, MDT Agency. My co-host today and I, uh, Karen Saudel, I'm going to bring her in, are both represented by MDT and uh, all the agents over there. And President Michelle McCullough has been super supportive of all that Brave Maker is doing. So we say thank you, MDT. And if you're an actor uh, in the Bay Area and you're looking for representation, we definitely suggest you check out MDT as soon as you can. Cool. Well, hey, welcome, Karen, my co-host. How you doing? Hi, you guys. How are you doing? Nice to be here, Tony. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So Karen has joined me um, when we first launched. Our very first chat we had online here was with Karen. So she's back. She's been on one of our podcasts as well. And you'll see more of her as we continue to do more, more of this. So Karen, just give people a little bit of an intro of what you do and who you are. Um, yeah, so I'm Karen Southall. I am a Bay Area actor. Um, absolutely love the arts and just what Brave Maker is all about and just bringing about um, these huge changes that are taking place like as we can grow as a community. But um, my background is in film production, so I do a lot of on-screen work as well as voiceovers. I've had the privilege to work with some amazing companies, including Pixar, um, which has been like a huge highlight like right before this crazy pandemic. So um, it's just great to continue to use like what my talents are and my skills are to continue to highlight these brave stories, especially during this time of COVID-19. Right on. Cool. So Karen will be with us uh, for the next uh, half hour, 45 minutes, and we're just really excited to host our two featured guests today. So the film Childhood on Fire is a documentary that we put out 
this week uh, in our subscriber email as well as on our social media. It is a film that's available on Vimeo and it's free, so you can watch that at any time. So today we potentially will be talking about spoilers to the story, so just be aware of that. If you um, are watching us and you just found us, we always invite questions to our featured guests. So with no further ado, let me bring out filmmaker Jason Hanasek and a featured subject of the documentary Childhood on Fire, Nick Herndon. Welcome to the podcast, you two. Thanks, Thanks for, for joining me. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you just do a quick, we'll start with you, Jason. Just do a, a quick intro. Where are you uh, coming in from today and anything you want to say about life and your projects? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, um, in San Francisco, California. Um, and... Uh, you know, just trying to figure out how to adapt to this as quickly as possible and keep all my projects um, moving along at the, in their various states. Right on. And Nick, again, thank you so much for being with us today. You are the featured subject of A Childhood on Fire and can't say enough how amazing it was that you could transparently share your life. This film is about a very intense subject of childhood trauma and I would say even racism. Uh, so we're going to get into that today, but just share like, where you're calling from and what life is like for you. I know you have two kids and that's very, a very different situation going through a pandemic. Yeah. I'm calling from uh, my home in Portland, Oregon. Um, I have been spending most of my time uh, both being a father and trying to homeschool the the boys um the school they go to has been great and is providing lots of uh at home work for them to do and for me to manage and then also trying to still run my business uh that I own and all of the other things in my life and um it's been chaotic and unnerving and <laughs> um a bunch of other emotional things as well so but I'm surviving yeah. Is your yeah. is your is your business CrossFit? Is that what you do for a living, or is that just what you do for fun? No, I own a CrossFit gym. Yeah. Okay. I bought a gym. Oh, right. Yeah. I saw okay. that part in the film where you're just like straight up lifting some stuff. And I was like, Whoo! <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I think like one of my questions would be like because of all the crazy changes and the things that we have to adapt to is I guess I could start with Jason as well. It's like how have you been handling it? You know what I mean? Like. I think all of us just kind of just hold it in there, but what are some things that you had to just be like, okay, I need to set time aside to just breathe or just focus. Like what are some things and some habits that you probably have to change um, during this time? Um, I mean, uh, <laughs> making money um, is one of them. Um, the other one would be uh, I had a project that was just about to go into production Um probably like a week and a half before we went into shelter in place. I kind of saw that that was a possibility. And um, my subject of that film decided that he needed to move from California back home to New York. And so I quickly reworked the project um, and um, shot it in like two days, as opposed to what was going to be like two months. And am wow. now trying to figure out how to make this work basically. Obviously, the story had to have, had to be modified because it couldn't, you know, <laughs> you can't do this in two months. But uh, yeah, but that yeah. was like some of your ways of like adapting to that situation. 
I mean, you know, you just, like I was, I was so far along down that train or down that road that I was like, I'm not going to let this just stop. I'm going to figure out mm-hmm. something to make and we could be in here for a while. So at least I'll have something to edit with. That's true. That's intense. Sorry, say that again. I said, how about you? Like, what are some things and some habits that you had to like kind of adapt or change? And, you know, especially having to homeschool, I think that was a huge one, but just still pulling out time for yourself to like breathe, focus. I mean, there's been a lot of people like, oh, now I'm eating this way or now I'm doing yoga. Now I'm doing this. Like, what are some ways that you're handling this pandemic? Um, (laughs) uh, Still trying to get some sort of, uh, work out in and stay connected to people that are in my life. Mostly Um, my business is really community oriented and being in the gym and around people was, you know, an integral part of that. Um, And then just my daily life between the gym and the school and other activities that we do as a family have, I mean, been completely eliminated and um, trying to manage the, all of that stuff has been difficult. And, um, I, yeah, I think <laughs> it's impossible to replicate any of that stuff at home, but, um, you know, having zoom meetings with people and talking to people on the phone and we've had people come over and just sit in the yard, social distance wise and, um, you know, chat, do those kinds of things. And, um, walk around the neighborhood and just really try to appreciate the time that I have with my family, you know, beyond what I normally would. Um, and as I'm sure you all can imagine is, difficult and frustrating as it can be to be around the same people all the time and not have an escape, um, trying to flip that and look at the positives and recognize that I have never had this opportunity prior to this. And once this is all over, I probably won't have it again. Um, and so just trying to look at it through that lens has been helpful. So that's good. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. If you're just, if you're just tuning in, I'm Tony Gapastone, executive director of Brave Maker. And today with my co-host Karen Saldo, we're talking to documentarian Jason Hanasek about his film childhood on fire with subject featured, uh, Nick Herndon. And, I think it's important just to t- take a second when we get into these conversations. I love to dig in and I love to talk about creativity and the projects and how everything came to be. But I also recognize we're in the middle of a pandemic. So we always want to, we have been trying to start with these questions. Like, how are people coping? Uh, sometimes I cope with being more productive and trying to take advantage of these things. And I've had good friends kind of push back and say my, uh, my energy level sort of annoys them. And so uh, giving people freedom to recognize that not everybody wants to do that. So I love it that we all kind of find our own, our own space. Uh, some people just need to do nothing and that is okay too. Mm-hmm. So as you tune in today, uh, our Brave Maker friends, family and audiences, please, uh, we just don't want to put any pressure out on anybody. We also know that this, uh, these topics uh, could be sensitive and, and triggering. So just know that as we get into today's subject matter, uh, practice self-care and uh, hope you know you're valuable and your life has meaning. So uh, yeah. we're going to just jump in. I want to hear from Jason as we, before we talk about Childhood on Fire specifically, can you give us a little background to how you started filmmaking, how you became someone who likes to tell stories? Sure. Um, uh, I started, well, I started in, in the visual art world. 
um, in 2000 and uh, kind of built a career in that space and, and um, realized when I had a, sh- uh, a museum show that I really wanted the people in the photographs to be able to tell their own story uh, or at least um, there to be some kind of audio component. And uh, at about the same time, uh, my sister died uh, pretty suddenly and she was the filmmaker in the family. And I kind of uh, didn't touch that space because that was her space. And I, I made uh, visual artwork and um, about two weeks after her (laughs) passing, um, I uh, um, released the, or I made, and Gap Inc. released the their contribution to the It Gets Better project, uh, which was about uh, LGBT suicides. There was a project trying to combat against the the, um, the sudden uh, uptick in uh, mm-hmm. suicides across the country. Um, and I, I was working at Gap at the time in a low level position um, uh, on their Gap on their online team, um, and that's how I kind of like got in and, and I, I lied, uh, I hate to say that to the, to the vice president was like, yeah, I made <laughs> films, but like, I just was like really set that I thought it would be amazing if Gapping, uh, made a contribution because we just knew how many people, um, LGBT individuals were, uh, working in the company. And I thought, you know, if this goes out into the world, cause at that point, no other company that had any physical stores had made a contribution. Um, maybe some of the individuals who were suffering, would go to a gap store and basically make a friend. Um, and maybe that could save a life. Um, and from there, my kind of career went crazy inside of gap because they saw the film and it worked out well. Um, and I became their, uh, storyteller, uh, for a bit. And then, uh, I got to a point where I just couldn't tell any more stories about genes. (laughs) So, um, and I recognized that I just didn't understand enough about the craft And so I went back and did a second master's at UC Berkeley's Graduate School of Journalism. And I worked in uh, the documentary film Strand. Um, And A Childhood on Fire is my second film. That's amazing. Really cool backstory. I love it. Nobody has the same template. There's no one way to break into the creative world. So I love that. I love hearing people's backstory. Well, I do want to have like, and it's, I love how you said that's like your second film, which we could like, it's amazing how you were able to just go into the emotion and kind of bring out when I'm working with Nick, it's, it's so much. Can you share a little bit of what that current project is? And I guess I have like two questions. So Jason, if you could share a little bit about that, about what your current project is. And then for Nick, like this, your story, this is like your real life story and like being able to share your emotions and the stuff that you've gone through, like just kind of share like what that experience was being able to put it into this documentary as well. So let's go ahead, Jason, you can start first. And then Nick, I would love to hear that from you. Um, yeah. So actually the consulting editor, um, Abby Jekowitz on this film, uh, she and I are, are building basically like a production studio together. Um, we work really, really well together. We've known each other since undergraduate or uh, do, uh, undergrad and, um, the new film, uh, so I, I, I have two. I have one that's in uh, that's about to launch in a month, and that's my first film for the BBC. And I can't say a lot about what the content is because of um, it's sort of a scoop. Uh, but it's uh, it's a I can say that it's a hybrid film of live action and animation, and um, that I shot the film in Jordan, and it deals with a subject matter that um, 
has been pretty well covered in the United States and in certain uh, countries in Europe. But um, this will be the first film, according to what the BBC has told me, about this specific subject matter in uh, the MENA region of the world. So um, that should come out in about a month, uh, maybe a little bit sooner. And then uh, the film that I'm working on with Abby um, is uh, uh, a lot less calmer material. And it um, it's about a dancer who um, basically at the prime of his career has decided to leave the industry. And the film uh, basically explores um, how he got to the point where he realized that it was time for him to, to leave. Because it's not an injury. It's just a, it's really a film about... Um, the creative process basically and uh, recognizing why you're doing something um, and maybe uh, whether or not that's basically a healthy relationship or not. Wow. Can you share a little bit about like the childhood on fire as well? Uh, from what, from what perspective? Oh, just with, with the film that you worked on with a childhood on fire. Can you share yeah. a little bit about that project? Like just the process of working with that and then. Oh, sure. Um, I mean, like how I met Nick and how it all came to be, and yes, please, yeah, okay, yeah, um, boom, yeah, okay. Um, so uh, Nick's um, partner is one of my really good friends, and when they started dating, um, not right when they started dating, but sometime afterwards, um, she and I were on a call, and um, uh, she said, "You know, I've met this guy; he's really amazing," and. I think there's a chance that you might make a film with him one day. Um, and she's yeah. also a journalist. And so she wouldn't tell me what the film that she thought I was going to make was about, except for you should just go ahead and start pitching Father's Day films. And I was like, I, that sounds a, like really light for me. Um, I'm not, I'm not as interested in like just a kind of like generic Father's Day film. Um, and then uh, when I graduated from Berkeley, um, it just so happened that uh, Nick and his partner were going to be uh, in Greece and I had wanted to you know, basically go. So we all joined uh, in Greece. And I think it was maybe like the last night of our time together. Uh, Nick and I were talking about um, I've, I've been running into issues with uh, my relationship with my dad. And I was basically asking Nick for advice, like, how do you, like, this is what I'm going through. Do you have any suggestions? And um, I have some, like, s some pretty intense stuff that's happened between me and him. Um, mm -hmm. Certainly not quite to the same extent uh, in terms of Nick's uh, situation with his father. And um, so he gives me some advice. And then he was like, I think he said, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick. Uh, well, if you think that's bad, you know, my dad set me on fire when I was a kid. And I just was stunned i like did not like it I, I i don't know that i've taken that many deep breaths before responding um and then uh that was in the summer of 2017 and then in 2018 um uh, and the story had been like sitting in the back of my mind and i was like yeah i, I now it's all coming together what the film uh basically like why nick's partner my friend had said that i probably would make a film with him one day Mm. Um, and then, uh, in 2018, I got an invitation to, uh, apply to the first global short docs forum, which was bringing filmmakers from all around the world to London to basically develop pitches for major broadcast, you know, major pro wow. uh, partners that were working in the short doc space. 
Um, and my first film had been acquired by the guardian and I really wanted this new film to live with basically on the same platform as my, as, as a childhood on fire. And they happened to be at the forum and I pitched them and they commissioned the film, uh, shortly after the forum. Um, and I started production in 2018. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, as soon as you said what Nick told you, like his dad said, like gave me chills a little bit in that moment as well. I was like, Oh, like, I don't know what my response would be to that as well. But, um, just kind of directing it to Nick, like being able to put your ear yourself out there and like be vulnerable and share your, your story. Like what, how did that feel to be able to bring it about into a documentary and be able to express that for an audience to see like, like us. Um, it, it was, it was difficult. Um, I, I've said this, um, with Jason before and, um, I'm very appreciative of what Jason has done and, um, uh, the relationship that we had and developed in making this film. And, um, I've kind of said it to him before that I don't know that I would do it again. Um, mm. it was, it was that hard. Um, I, I, I probably would, but I, I really had no idea. I, I um, have spent some time, years really, uh, in therapy and sharing some of these things with a therapist in a private space and, you know, just going in for my hour or so and talking about it and then leaving. And that is difficult in and of itself. But then, you know, sitting down and going through the actual, um, process of making a film is difficult. And then also just having that emotional, um, downloading, you know, and during the filmmaking process, whatever it was weeks at a time when, when, um, Jason and I would meet and when we would film and interview and talking up stuff and then having to relive it and like dig into it even more. And then even finding out things that I was, not entirely sure about, or, um, um, you know, had questions about having that sort of resurface and come back into my life and then having to deal with that in an emotional and physical way, um, was very difficult for me. I mean, I think this summer, maybe most of this wrapped up in the summer of 2018 or the fall of 2018 or something. Um, I could be off on my time frame, but, um, yeah, it was hard. It was hard to, to deal with, uh, my, my past, my current relationship with my parents. Um, and, um, and then have this sort of what I felt like was like an albatross hanging over me about the film being released, like going through all of this and then this is actually going to be public. This is going to be information that probably only a handful of people that know me know about. Um, Mm. Now the broader world is going to to know about it. And I didn't really know what to expect of that. Wow. Yeah. As I was reflecting, yeah, thank you for sharing that. As I was reflecting on your story, you know, one of the things that's really important, one of the values we have for Brave Maker is to elevate these unheard stories uh, yeah. for justice, diversity, and inclusion, because we believe these types of brave stories can really impact us and, and change us and bring awareness and call us to action. And 
just as very grateful for your transparency and vulnerability. And I know that comes at a price. It comes at a price of uh, putting yourself out there. I mean, just a, it's exhausting to tell your story over and over. Sometimes it even right. feels re traumatizing. So thank you for that. And I definitely am super aware of these types of conversations doing just that causing more harm than good. So, uh, you know, in any question that we, we surface, obviously, please, you know, you have permission to say pass. Um, I'm, I'm just wondering, Absolutely. yeah, I'm just wondering, you know, for those who are watching, um, if you have not watched the film, uh, Nick was set on fire. It's the name of the film, uh, Childhood on Fire by his own stepfather. Uh, Nick, you detail the horrific verbal abuse, racist verbal abuse that you received by the, the words of your stepfather. You were found yourself in a foster sister, uh, system with your siblings. Um, do, do you find yourself now like kind of projected into a place of advocacy that you didn't expect or want? And how, how do you handle that? What, what's come your way since this film has come out, even just putting yourself today on a broadcast like this? I mean, that's not what some people want. How, how do you handle that? And is that something that um, you, you, you will continue in? Or did you just kind of want to just do your, your weightlifting business? <laughs> um, <clears throat> Are you asking me if I'm advocating in some way about in regards to like child abuse and uh, foster care? Is that the question? Or? Well, I think, however, you, whatever you want to answer, yeah. I mean, I think you kind of are with that. It's kind of like the people who say, I don't want to be, uh, you know, I don't want to be in the public eye. I don't want to be a symbol of whatever. But you just, by the nature of being in this film, you are thrust into that area. So I guess, how do you handle that? What do you do with that space? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't. I don't been, yeah. Has it like a healing space as well? Like, has it. Mm -hmm helped you heal being able to communicate it, and talk? Yeah, it, it's definitely helped me heal. Um, you know, I said those comments about the process of making the film and I'm grateful that I made it and it is, it is helped and it is still helping me heal uh, for sure. Um, I am not seeking the limelight or trying to be a, an outspoken advocate in any way. Um, I, I think what the film has helped me do is uh, is really be a uh, an even better father than I thought I could be. Um, I really struggled with you know fears around the the there being some lingering effects of my father and my stepfather and even my mother and my life and how that was going to affect me being a father um, and. This has really helped solidify a belief that I, I don't have to follow in those footsteps, that there's a there's a there's a better way to be. Um, yeah. And. And so that has been helpful, and I, I guess is that is certainly the most important thing for me before going out and, and uh, becoming an outspoken advocate, um, I have also, I think through this process, there has been a handful of people that have reached out to me in, in a variety of ways, emails or social media and shared their story or asked questions or whatever. And that has been, 
um, that has been therapeutic in a way. And I'm touched that my story and what I've done and, um, in facing those struggles and becoming, I guess, who I am today is helping other people through the film that Jason's made. And, um, I'm all about that. I'm, I'm, mm. I'm happy to hear that, um, for sure. If that answers the question, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. I hear you saying advocacy isn't your, your first priority yeah. here, but healing yourself and being a good father to Odin and Magnus is, and that's kind of a cool result or a positive consequence of this whole thing. I think sometimes people in positions uh, who have been hurt or traumatized are often pushed into the spotlight to then advocate, but they're yeah. still going through their own healing. And so I think it's beautiful that that's been an outcome is you are finding yourself being therapeutically uh, healed. So yeah, that's great. Appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. And if you're just tuning in, um, Tony Gapastone, executive director of the Brave Maker Film Fest, you can slide in questions on the comments here on Facebook Live. And I'm going to bring in Robertino, who is Brave Maker's assistant director as one of our film's programmers. I think he's the one who found this film. He says, thank you for sharing this deep and personal film. Nick, you have been a positive influence on your boys and others who connected with this film. It is a tough topic to deal with but it is real. So thanks to you both. And we have uh, uh, Viliami, also known as Lupe, just hands with gold. <laughs> uh, no, I would say this is the, absolutely a deep, deep topic. And I think that one of the things I would like to highlight is that you don't always get to hear a lot of stories of men talking about areas of their life where they were abused or, you know, mistreated. I feel like that when people talk about abuse, um, everyone talks about it in different levels. Like, well, you know, you didn't experience this or this one's not as bad as that person or this one. But when it comes down to communicating like poor behavior and abusive behavior across the board is, is, is not appropriate. Right. Yeah. And so I remember there's one um, comment that you like just during your film where you, you kind of found out as you became older, like some of the racial slurs and the things that, you know, your stepfather was saying to you that once you realized what they meant, like how embarrassed you felt and that, like just you being able to vocalize that like on screen. It's like when people find that something harmful has, you know, happened to them and they become more knowing of that. It, it's that like, Ooh, like how could I let that happen to me? Like, how did you go about like not beating yourself up too much about that? And, you know, being able to heal and be able to communicate that. Um, Nick, I don't know if you want to share a little bit on that. Sure. Um, I still beat myself up about it. Um, the, it, yeah, I, I, in, in making the film and talking about this with, with Jason and the people that I've talked about it with, um, yeah, for a really long time, I think I moved from a position or I was in a position where I thought a lot of this stuff was normal. Like it just mm-hmm. was my experience and it's something that I was living with. And then as I started to age and realized that it wasn't normal, I just, there was a level of embarrassment and um, I didn't want to talk about it. I wanted to have a normal childhood, a normal relationship with my parents. I didn't really, I felt like it said something about me. If I told somebody that this, this happened to me or my parents treated me a certain way or whatever, that it was reflective of me that I was at fault for it. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
I mean, I would, I would say that it, I probably felt that way for the vast majority of my life, maybe up until a few years ago, five years ago or something where that started to erode. And, um, I really started to dig into that train of thought that I had. Um, but even today as I don't know, I don't know that I have fully, um, gotten beyond those, those feelings around that about being treated that way. And, you know, sometimes I still beat myself up about like, how could I, how could I let that happen to me? How could I stand for that? How can, you know, how could that ever, um, why did I do that? Why did I do more to escape it? And, um, I sometimes have to be like sort of talked off of that ledge and, and, you know, put back in a place where it, it's not my fault that those things happen to me. It's not, um, something that I caused to happen. Um, and I think making this film and, and confronting it and talking about it has been helpful in, in, um, getting to that place and trying to as hard as I can to stay into that mindset. Yeah. You talked a lot about self-worth and like value, um, in the, which I think is just so powerful because you have that type of abuse and things that take it, you know, to happen in your life, you start to question, you know, your worth and your value. So. Absolutely. Yeah. As I was uh, reflecting on the, the film, I wrote to our Brave Maker subscribers just about the, the power of trauma on a child's life that goes well into our adulthood and was reflecting on my own childhood trauma and how if it wasn't for counseling, I just would not be where I am today. And I heard you reference that as well. I wanted to shout out to one of our partners. This is not a paid advertisement whatsoever. But if you are hearing these stories and feeling as if you don't know where to turn, especially now during COVID-19 when there's lots of um, isolation happening, One Life Counseling Center is available to the Bay Area. If you are beyond the Bay Area, please reach out to a counselor or somebody who could listen to your stories and help guide you and recognize the power of those words. It's not your fault. I think that is, I mean, this reminds me of um, Goodwill Hunting, Robin Williams saying that over and over and over to Matt Damon. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. And yeah. anybody who's experienced any kind of a pain, pain or abuse or trauma as a child, I'm in my 40s and I'm still processing my own. Uh, it's, it's a lifelong journey. So thank you, Nick, for sharing and for putting yourself out there. It's uh, so, so powerful, so meaningful. Jason, can you talk you. a little bit about... Oh, go ahead. Did you want to ask a follow-up <laughs> well, for Nick? I want to add like, a little bit to what you were just yeah. saying like, to the people go who ahead. are going throughout that journey. I, I think it would be good to highlight like people who are probably going through that right now because I feel like there are a lot of people who are in isolation and are, are at home, but that home may not always be a safe place mm-hmm. as well. Um, and so that's just like another thing that, you know, get around people, talk to people and, you know, get counseling and get therapy, you know, be safe as well. But go ahead. Yeah, and I know a lot of people at this point, too, are at the edge in some way, shape, or form. And I always want to encourage you, maybe you're not at the edge, but maybe you know someone who is, but you just put this number in your phone. It's the Suicide Prevention mm-hmm. Lifeline. Mm-hmm. I keep this number in my phone uh, just to share it with anybody that I know. Uh, you might not feel as if you are going to take your life or um, 
you just need some help, but they can connect you to counselors. They can connect you to people who can talk to you for free. So it's 800-273-8355. I'll leave that up there for a minute. Please put this in your phone. I highly recommend that this is just something you save in your phone to be able to share, or if you ever get to a place where you might need it as well. Jason, can you talk about the making of the film, uh, obviously being there's an emotional side to it as someone who's documenting the story. How did you process through that? And then just the, the practical tactical side of, uh, getting this film, cutting it down to 13 minutes when it's such a big story that could have been a lot larger. Right. Uh, just talk about those two elements of the making of the film. Sure. Um, I, I wanted to circle back though, to a question that Karen asked at the top of kind of like how, um, I'm handling, you know, the, this shift and listening to Nick, um, li- listening to Nick's responses. I just want to say that, like, I find myself telling people that I love them a lot more often than I had uh, previously. Um, and listening to Nick's story just reminds me to, you know, how much I love him. And uh, he's part of my chosen family. And okay. obviously so is Magnus and Odin and, and his partner, Amanda. Um so yeah, I just wanted to add that in. Um, we love you too, Jason. <laughs> Thanks. Warm fuzzies, warm fuzzies. <laughs> um, and I also just love that there's a uh, therapeutic service that is uh, sponsoring a um, a film festival. That's amazing. Um, so how did I make the film? Um, uh, uh, <laughs> it's such a big question. Um, <laughs> you want to focus it on just. I love hearing yeah. people like, how'd you conquer some of the problem? What problems surfaced? What were some like, obstacles? Yeah, yeah. Like what obstacles were surfaced? Like obviously finances, getting cameras to, to Nick's how anything you want to share there. Yeah. I mean, you know, how do you, how do you, uh, thank goodness there's no archival material of the, um, the violence. Um, mm-hmm. but also how, how do you represent that? Um, I mean, that was the biggest challenge was doing that in a way that I really wanted the audience to have a visceral reaction when Nick is telling that part of the story. Um, And one of the things that I noticed during the filmmaking process was Nick's kind of cadence of delivering the story is uh, relatively even um, throughout. I mean, it's even throughout. It's not relatively. It's even which allowed me um, to do opera, basically, uh, in the visuals. I could go completely over the top um, in certain places that I don't know had the, had the storytelling, um, the audio dialogue been um, kind of a little less even, basically. Um, it would, it, it's almost like they would have hit at the top of the spectrum, right? It would have like kind of crowded out um, in some ways. Um, and so that was the first challenge. And then... Uh, also, how do you make a film that's also not just about violence and about the traumatic experience? Because I think the thing that I'm most interested in this process or in the film is um, these beautiful, you know, uh, philosophies and also ways in which Nick is with. So Nick's philosophies around parenting and also getting to see a man be with his young boys in a way that's so incredibly loving and caring and really using that as a counterpoint to these horrific uh, series of experiences that Nick 
um, the cat as a child. Um, because I know that, um, you know, that's the kind of, like, I want to live in a world where men have a lot more, um, on the spectrum of what's acceptable. And I felt like uh, acceptable behavior. And, uh, I mean, I want that for women as well, but I, but I feel like this is a really compact space. Um, especially for, for, um, yeah, I'll just, I'll stop right there. So, um, so I, you know, I really wanted to figure out a way where, where both Magnus and Odin are kind of protected from the stories of the violence. So they're, they're, um, visually always in or around water. Um, they're, they're also kind of protected as it relates to they're inside of these lunch notes that Nick is sending them, um, and telling them about their worth. And so it becomes this kind of like undulation of going in and out of this horrific experience into these, you know, really, really beautiful, uh, I think, experience, watching these beautiful experiences of Nick with, with his, um, with his boys. Um, I can answer some like technical, tactical and how they relate to the creative, if that would be useful or if there's something else. Yeah. I just, first of all, that's beautiful. I mean, that thematic of fire and water, brilliant, brilliant. Thanks. Yeah, so for our documentarians, uh, just a shout out to Daryl B. Jones, who's one of our fiscal sponsors, fiscal sponsees. Uh, we, I would love to partner him with you, by the way, Jason. He's a Bay Area filmmaker. He's making his first feature documentary, Once All Shelter in Place Lifts, going back to Clarksdale, Mississippi, to film his family's theater, the only Black-owned theater in Clarksdale, Mississippi, and how that impacted his family narrative. But I love the idea of the thematic with the visuals. That's just like a really beautiful, I mean, every storyteller is trying to, should be thinking about this, but I didn't, I didn't even catch that. That's beautiful. So thank you for highlighting that, but go keep talking about the practical. Go ahead. Um, I mean, I can go even deeper. Like I was, I, I read a lot of Gaston Bachelard's he's a phenomenologist and I was reading his meditations on the flame of a can, like one of them is the flame of a candle and just thinking about all the different ways in which fire can be thought of. Um, so it's all, it's something that will, um, com, you know, it consumes and destroys and it's also a place of meditation. And so the film starts out with fire as a thing that, that harms and destroys and it ends on a place of meditation, which is the, you know, the, the final frame of the film. Um, then I also wanted um, there to be a different look as it related to when we were in Nick's stories about the present and the past, um, excuse me, uh, Nick's stories about the past and then his present with his boys. So uh, the, every, all of the B-roll and also the um, interview shots are shot at 35 millimeter, just a, you know, a standard 35 millimeter. I made it with a, a DSLR. Um, so it's that angle of view. And then um, I had been watching a lot of, um, Oh, wow. I'm totally going to blank on the uh, cinematographer's name. He shoots a lot of Terrence Malick's uh, work, um, Lubeski. I've been looking at a lot of, of the films that Lubeski had filmed, specifically Malick's films. And um, I was obsessed with the angle of view um, that was used in like the Tree of Life um, and the Rev- uh, Revenant. And uh, so I figured out what that uh <coughs> what millimeter lens that would be um, because obviously Lubeski is not shooting on a 35 millimeter DSLR for those films. Um, And so once I figured that out, all of the shots of the boys um, are in this super wide angle, which is also a way of trying to differentiate them 
from the stories that are happening in the past. Wow. Wow. That's very cool. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I feel like this has been a masterclass uh, in filmmaking, but also just in personal uh, identity shaping and expressing uh, one's life journey. So thank you, both of you, for for sharing with us today. Karen, do you have any uh, follow-up questions you want to toss out there today? Follow-up questions. I mean, I definitely have a a bunch more questions (laughs) because the story is so complex. But I would just say... um, like what is some advice that you can give like any filmmakers or aspiring filmmakers or actors, directors, like from your story, Jason, like being able to like start with gap and like have your vision and all of a sudden move over here, go back to school, go and get this degree. And it's just beautiful. Like, so what is some advice that you could, you know, give the next generation of aspiring workers? You know, I mean, there's no, there's it's so funny. Uh, um, I'm, queer so I'm definitely not on a straight path but there literally is a no straight path and um you know uh this is a weird word to use in in relationship to what we've been talking about but um I like to follow what I call the heat you know if there's heat somewhere over and I'm really interested I'm headed that way um Mm -hmm. and sometimes that literally means walking away from a career or doing it you know and walking away from from a salary as I did when when gap my gap time ended and um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, you just have to kind of trust your gut and follow where, where things are, um, things feel the most alive, I guess. Wow. Follow the heat. I love that. That's like a nice new break like maker tagline. Follow the heat. <laughs> it's like a little sticker. You know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> like it. Where can Maybe I'll have like a digital store jumping up sometime soon? Great. Hey, hey, well, now that you mention it, we do have our merchandise available uh, online. So if anybody wants to, if anybody wants to go to our store, you can just go to bravemaker.com slash merch and see all of our stuff right there. I'm so excited. We're going to make stickers. And now that uh, Jason said that we're going to, we're going to make a sticker that says follow the heat. All right. That's, that's, that's going to be there. So go to bravemaker.com slash merch. If you'd like to get any of our shirts, in fact, I'm wearing one today. I'm super excited that all this stuff is available online. Check that out. Uh, what about finding you both on social media? Do you want to uh, put out your social media handles? Nick? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I'm not even sure what my handle is. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure my Instagram handle is nick.herndon. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm going to, um, I'm going to, I'm going to put that up there just so people can see. There you go. And Jason, I think your name is, it's your name, right? It's just my name. Yeah. No dot. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So please follow these filmmakers, uh, support their work. Their film is out there. It's free. It's on Guardian. It's on uh, YouTube. It's on our social media page. So please make sure you spread the love. We want to support independent filmmakers and these brave stories. If you're not on our mailing list every week, especially during shelter in place, our three-day film fest got canceled, but it's been like seven weeks long now online. So uh, every week we are putting out like anywhere from three to 10 film links. So go to bravemaker.com slash buzz today to sign up for free films. Hey, so thanks to you both for being with us today. Any final words anybody wants to say before we end our broadcast? We miss anything? 
I mean, I think a good question would be for both Nick and Jason is like, what do you think is a good definition of a brave maker? Ooh, good one. Go ahead, Jason. You can start first. Um, I mean, since you're going to make a sticker, a brave maker just follows the heat. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to happen. That's going to be up there on the store this week. I'm telling you. (laughs) And Nick, you're entrepreneurial. You have your own business. You're a father. What do you want to say about being a brave maker? Um, (laughs) I don't have a catchy uh, tagline or anything like (laughs) Jason, Jason just came up with or anything. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think it's sort of fitting for the time, but um, I don't think anything's easy. You know, everybody has their difficulties, and you know, life is is certainly hard. But um, you know, a brave maker is somebody who's just who, who can do it you know, that puts their head down and whatever life throws them, it throws at them and uh, obstacles come in their way, you know, just steps over them and, and keeps pushing forward. Oh. I love it. Great way to end. Hey, thanks everybody for watching. If you have questions or follow up, please uh, find us. Happy to connect with you. Happy to keep celebrating independent films and brave storytellers. Remember, brave stories change the world and you are the story. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Brave Maker podcast. Subscribe, give us a rating, and share with a friend. Brave Maker is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Our work is funded by generous patrons like you. Support the podcast with a tax deductible donation at bravemaker.com. Brave stories change the world. You are the story.